Thank you for listening to Value-Based Care Insights, a podcast by Lumina Health Partners. I'm your host, Shelly Janeja. The series is for healthcare leaders and organizations navigating the journey to value-based care and the ever-changing landscape of our healthcare industry. And boy, it has been true for us in the year we've just navigated and what we're looking ahead. Our goal in the series is to bring to you disruptive success strategies for healthcare organizations, leveraging our experience and having worked with some of industry top experts and thought leaders. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to invite you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think about this episode and other questions that are top of your mind. With that, I'd like to welcome my co-host, Dan Marino, Managing Partner at Lumina and an Industry Thought Leader for Value-Based Care. Dan, welcome and Happy New Year. Hi, Shelley. Happy New Year. Here we are, beginning of 2021. Hard to believe. I know. And, you know, Dan, I was reflecting on the year it has been. We've all collectively navigated, adapted, pivoted, and survived the challenges that came our way, not only personally as healthcare firms, but industry as a whole in 2020. In our last episode, Dan, we talked about trends we saw emerge in 2020 as it relates to value-based care, namely how healthcare organizations partnered with providers and even community resources payers to form innovative care models to create care interventions and create new care pathways to deal with the new demand. We also saw dealing with the challenges of provider burnout became top of mind for healthcare organizations as our providers extended themselves to take care of the influx due to COVID. And finally, topic that was top of mind for financial leaders was maintaining financial solvency as the payer mix, the service mix, and the place of service mix shifted due to COVID. We saw many healthcare organizations get back to the table with payers and renegotiate their contracts and really use data more and more to predict the performance. Looking ahead for 2021, what is your take on what we can expect to go forward given the hindsight we have that is 2020 as we focus on 2021? Your thoughts, Dan? Well, in... in Looking at 2020, I think there's the common theme that has emerged um, within hospitals and providers and healthcare in general is really around the need to pivot and to readjust. Um, We went through a couple of phases of creating a new norm given COVID-19 and just the way that healthcare needed to connect with its patients, manage the pandemic. And now we're again moving forward with that as we start to think about how we want to manage that with the rollout of the vaccine and re-engaging and establishing the trust with patients. So moving on to 2021, I believe organizations are going to have to continue to think about how they need to readjust, continue to pivot with an eye on a couple of things. One is how do we financially get our organizations back on track? And as I've said repeatedly, and many folks in the industry know this, hospitals and providers, the margins aren't very big. They're lucky if they're two, three, 4%. And now with COVID, many of them have operated in the loss this past year. So clearly a major focus for hospitals 
is being able to reposition themselves financially and getting themselves to back to the point where they are financially stable. So that's going to be a, a big area. I think a second area that's going to be a strong focus is really around value-based care. If anything, COVID-19 has shown a lot of the limitations related to fee-for-service and the reimbursement around fee-for-service. With that being said, we have an opportunity to do something different in healthcare and focus a lot around providing value and establishing reimbursement around that value. And then third, I think, is an area around continuous education. If anything, one of the key things I think we all learned is that we needed to focus on change. We needed to focus on being nimble. We needed to focus on readjusting and understanding how other organizations have done that and almost creating a shared learning environment is a key way of being able to drive success much quicker than having to figure it out yourself. So I really think education and leadership development and training is going to be important as we really figure out what the new norm in healthcare is going to look like. You know, I, I really like the point, Dan, you're making on education and training for leadership. We certainly see that emerge in the last few years, but the gap that exists in our industry on very specific focus for healthcare leaders on getting the content, the knowledge, and the skills to navigate this new landscape of value-based care and the need to pivot and the flexibility and adaptability that is required, I think 2020, if anything, sort of highlighted that gap. So we're definitely going to see a lot of focus come up in 2021 um, on that aspect. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Shelly, at this point, I, I'm really excited to introduce Lucy Zielinski, our colleague at Lumina Health Partners. Lucy has done a great job working with provider organizations and hospitals and establishing telehealth processes in technology, a lot of the MIPS activity, helping physicians to really think about how they need to um, align with their patients. Really pleased to have Lucy with us today. Welcome, Lucy. Thank you, Dan and Shelly. Happy to be here. So Lucy, is we were talking, kind of talked about a couple of, of key themes for this next year. And helping organizations improve their margins, get themselves back on track, I think it's going to be a big focus. And many hospitals in particular really went through a cost reduction initiative over this past year, whether it was having to reduce staff or maybe furlough some of their staff or realigning some of their staff. They did it with an idea of, you know, changing I think the complementary services they offer to patients, but also because they need to really reduce cost. What have you seen in terms of working with some of the hospitals or even some of the physicians on how they've ad adapted to some of that cost change? Yeah, Dan, some of the things that I've seen as far as cost reduction is around maybe more of an opportunity for revenue. So with telehealth services, I've seen such an adoption, not only in the ambulatory environment, but with hospital staff as well, uh, you know, be it with some of the therapies and mental health services, they've definitely adopted telehealth services. Yeah, and that's even changed the care delivery models, right? So it's opened up new access points, but I think the way that we've connected with patients certainly drives down the costs. One area that I've seen as an opportunity of cost reduction is around focusing on 
clinical variation reduction. You know, many organizations, you can't co cut cost enough to make up for the margins or the challenges on the margins that COVID has provided, right? I mean, if you cut costs too much, you're cutting services and that's not what we wanna do. However, there are some opportunities to reduce costs through reducing a lot of the variations of care that have occurred. And I think you're gonna see more and more of that in this next year as organizations think about how they need to become more efficient. Telehealth is gonna provide a lot of that support. Yeah, and Dan, I think um, around that clinical variation reduction, um, it's key to think about some of the things that physicians can do to manage that reduction. One of being obviously appropriate documentation to be able to identify the patients as well as some of those activities to support clinical variation efforts. Care management is another one. Taking a look at and identifying how patients are being managed, especially those with chronic conditions or certain procedures, and ensuring that there is some consistency or standards around that. You know, physicians, I think, have really, they've had a challenging year. There's no doubt about that. I think as first-line workers, extremely challenged in taking care of the, the patients with COVID, but also taking care of their patients and building the trust of patients without COVID. You know, as we heard, you know, there's many patients who because of fear, have not had a lot of their tests, have not had a lot of their clinical services that, that they need. I think one of the things that we're going to have to, that we're going to see from physicians is almost a realignment of incentives. Surgeons, for instance, were hurt really bad this past year because, of course, the elective procedures really were reduced. So I think we, we may see a lot of almost compensation realignment thinking about how we could possibly incentivize physicians differently in a fee-for-value type of a world as opposed to fee-for-service. Any thoughts with that? What, what have you heard in, in sort of from a needs perspective in talking to some of your physician colleagues? That's a good point, Dan. You know, as you know, provider compensation in a fee-for-service world, many physicians are paid on an RVU basis or based on volume. Well, with COVID, they definitely took a hit. However, as organizations move into value-based care, um, what I'm seeing is, you know, a certain percentage, maybe 10, 20, 30 percent tied to other um, efforts uh, based on quality, citizenship, and, and the such, and not so much on volume anymore. And some of those metrics, obviously, the quality, quality matters. As you know, even with CMS, they have the Care Compare website where they're publishing quality measures on that five-star program. So now physicians are going to be really held accountable to, to some of the quality measures. Well, and I think building on that, we are only going to see quality and some of the quality measures tied in more and more to these care delivery models. And I think value-based care is we're going to see a continued focus on that. I don't see that going away at all, especially as the Biden administration really comes in. I, I think there's going to be even a more of a, there's going to be more of a focus on that quality aspect of things. And there's going to be, I think, continued pressure on even some of these commercial payers to incorporate a lot of these value-based initiatives into some of their contracting with the pay, with providers, and, and possibly holding even you know, the, the whole industry 
accountable based on quality, based on cost management, as opposed to just you know, reimbursing for the services that are being provided. So when we think about the move into value-based care, our business processes, ways that we you know, can, can work with the payers, work with the providers, work with the patients, you know, really the whole revenue cycle activity, I think there's gonna be a lot of focus there because it does a couple of things. One, it creates efficiencies and reduce your costs, but it also improves your revenue opportunity, maximizing a lot of what you need to be able to get in order to create some financial sustainability within the organizations. What do you see in Lucy on some revenue cycle initiatives going on within the hospitals, within the physician communities? Yeah, that's a good point, Dan. I think what I'm seeing is that hospitals and physicians are realizing how important it is to do a good job and have a healthy revenue cycle. I've been doing revenue cycle assessments for several decades, and I can always tell you there's always an opportunity, even more so now with denial management, patient collections, just efficiencies on managing, managing claims. And a couple of things that have really popped up here is, uh, you know, the, the price transparency requirements. I'm seeing a lot of hospitals obviously adopt those requirements with price estimates being available on their websites. So that's definitely a requirement. Another challenge with revenue cycle is the ability to code appropriately, especially some of the newer services like telehealth services, remote patient monitoring and the such, and then contracting around those services as well. Payer contracting around some of these newer services is really important and contracting for that appropriate site of service differentiator is even even more important. And as you know, Dan, the the Medicare physician final uh, rule came out uh, in regard to the fee schedule and there were many changes. The, The conversion factor, there was a reduction in the conversion factor, but then they came back and increased it somewhat. So they're landing at a higher number now, but many physicians are still going to be experiencing a reduction in payment overall, potentially. Yeah, the changes in the new codes for this year, I think are, are definitely going to have an impact on organizations and, and also with physicians. And I couldn't agree with you more. Focusing on the revenue cycle activities helps all the way around. It helps these hospitals and physicians, obviously, with their revenue it makes things a lot more efficient with patients and it provides great information as to how you can continue to improve and almost position yourselves well in a value-based care setting. But in order to do that, you clearly have to have the information, you have to have the, the data. And, and maybe Shelly, I could turn this over to you. You know, data right now, I, I think, you know, we say this all the time, but you know, it, it continues to be extremely important Um, especially with what is occurring with COVID patients and understanding, you know, patients who are susceptible to COVID, understanding the quality care that's being delivered, understanding just the operational opportunities and the financial opportunities. You have to have strong data and you have to be able to use that data in such a way that it provides insights that forces some level of behavior change. Absolutely, Dan. You know, we've been talking about it. I know this is, you know, I'm preaching to the core here when I say this. Data is the foundation of how we make the shift to value-based care, not only from the payer's perspective, but from the, the, the care management perspective, but also 
from the culture change perspective too. And if there's anything that got highlighted for us in 2020, sort of reflecting back on what we learned, that this is an opportunity for us as we enter 2021 to reevaluate our data and analytic models. What assumptions did we make about the patient, the attributes of the patient, the attributes of the care pathways, of the care models? Factor in supply chain management. We saw that come up more that our data and analytic models, rather than just looking at the care outcomes, the quality outcomes, the volume, we have to factor in the supply chain management as well. So really what jumped out to me as a need for us to focus on as we move into 2021 is to develop what I call a 360 degree view of productivity. 360 degree view of productivity of our care model factoring in, do we understand all attributes of the patients, who they are, where they show up, how they show up, what are the factors that influence their health outside that? We have to factor in cost management part of the equation as well. The productivity management aspect of our care staff being assigned to the patient care and use all of those attributes, all of those levers to start predicting return on investment. What return can we anticipate from this value-based care program we are implementing for the payer contract? It becomes really looking at through the lens of data. What is the investment? What is the cost of running the program? What is the return? Is that really in alignment with what the payers are anticipating? And is that in alignment with the bottom line for the healthcare organization? So really shifting our view to bring in that 360 perspective is one of the key shifts I think we're going to see in 2021. Yeah, I agree. And I'll tell you, one of the things I often hear, um, you know, the having data and, and integrating data across the different platforms, because none of these platforms talk to one another. It's mm -hmm. sort of the bane of existence for a lot of these healthcare leaders. Mm -hmm. um, where do you think organizations need to start? You know, knowing that, you know, what you described as that 360 degree view, that's gonna be critical in, in driving financial success, operating success, success around these managed care contracts. You know, where do you think some of these organizations should start? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this, Dan, we get caught up in trying to build the perfect data platform. And we get lost in that. It's expensive, it's time consuming, it's very complex, it's very resource in, uh, intensive. And frankly, for the CFOs, it's like a big black hole. You keep pouring in the data, yet you never get the outcomes that truly drive the decisions. So I think given where we are, what we've learned in 2021, and frankly, the key to surviving and thriving in 2021, in my mind, is adaptability. With that in mind, I think what organizations need to really consider is more of an agile methodology to data analytics. It is very different than the traditional approach we have to analytics, where we focus on building a big, deep, wide, uh, perfect data foundation. Instead, maybe start running it looking at use cases. Give me a list of top five questions that we need to solve for. Let me understand the data attributes that are going to define the answer of that. Let me go in, pull in 
aggregate the data and come up with an answer, not to solve the question entirely, but really to position the next set of questions that need to be answered. Right. So consider maybe shifting the approach to analytics to bring in the agile methodology. We hear a lot about digital innovation, Dan. That's kind of the buzzword for 2020, and we're going to hear that being the buzzword in 2021. But if you think about it, digital innovation to bring in the new types of data, whether that be from at-home remote monitoring devices, which is becoming more and more common, whether that's starting to bring in social determinants of data to understand our consumer, our patient better, I think all is going to require us to have a flexible and adaptable architect behind our analytics. So again, look at it from the view of adaptability. Can I slice and dice it in a way that I can pivot on the answer versus getting fixed answers? And my last comment on that is as what you and Lucy have mentioned in the trends you are seeing for 2021, increasing profitability seems to be one of the key needs in 2021, maintaining and increasing the market share adapting to the new customer needs, new payer needs, new care pathways mix. And I think another one of the increasing trends we're gonna see in 2021 is need to understand the customer experience. In fact, I would take it a step further, need to understand the care team experience and measure it quantitatively is going to become, um, become very important in the whole data model. So with that, kind of the comment you made, Dan, before, interoperability between the various sources of data becomes imperative. All these different sources of data, be it various EMRs, spreadsheets, manual systems, devices, uh, you know, revenue cycle systems, they have to talk to each other. But instead of taking the traditional approach of first building the big massive foundation, I would encourage us to think about more of a use case space or a problem-backed approach using the agile methodology. Right, and I think if you, if organizations think about what problems they wanna solve and take a very pragmatic approach on creating the data, um, driving actionable analytics, I think, you know, that that's what's gonna really drive some results. And, you know, one of the areas that we often see, it's a continued area of, of need for improvement it's really around, you know, let's say the employed physician group model. Um, many employed physician groups do lose money. They've lost money for years. And it's not because they're not productive or they don't work hard. It's just because of the way the accounting structure is set up and the way they have to integrate with the health systems. But if you can create some actionable information that help providers understand how they become more efficient and almost, you know, really focus on better integrating the medical group with the health system so it becomes more longitudinal as opposed to, you know, less segmented. I think you're going to see some real improvements. Lucy, you've focused a lot on medical group management. You've focused a lot on helping these medical groups and, and physicians become more efficient in their practices. What are some of the things that you're seeing as a focused trend in, in 2021 that medical groups are, are going to really have to give some thought to as they position themselves differently? Well, Dan, it's interesting as Shelly was speaking about data, I thought of the adage, you know, garbage in, garbage out, and it really starts with the clinician. And 
uh, clinical document improvement, CDI is so key, making sure that the physicians are gathering the right data um, at the patient level and that it's reportable. In a value-based world, you will never know that a patient has diabetes unless it's coded appropriately and it's in the documentation. So it, 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 that is so important. Yeah, this and I'll tell you, just to jump in, I think that's an area that is so under-focused and underrepresented because a lot of times when physicians treat patients, you know, they go through all of these things in their head, but it never goes, you know, it's never put into their EHR. It's never documented. And how do you know that these things are actually occurring? And how do you create that continuity of care if it's not documented? Yeah, th that's right, Dan. And then, and then think about it. What about the quality measures that organizations have to submit, right, to, to, to the payers, including to Medicare, right, on the mix? Um, if it's not documented, it doesn't really look good. Th those five stars may look like three stars, and uh, that doesn't accurately reflect the, you know, the reputation or the performance of that physician. Um, so data integrity, capturing that data is, is so important. It also helps with diagnosing and eight CCs. As you know, as you move into value-based care and more and more reimbursement is tied to quality and to cost, those risk scores are so important and ICD-10 codes really matter. So how physicians um, diagnose patients and, and how they assign diagnosis is really important. And I think it, it drives efficiencies in their practices. It also obviously impacts the revenue that, that occurs. You know, with the, with the new codes coming out, you know, and then obviously the ICD-10 ICD codes that are incorporated with HCCs and everything else, um, it's complicated. It's tough. And I think, you know, the key is going to be for these medical groups to really figure out how you create efficiencies, where to start, um, and how to make it easier for the providers. We can't load more on the physician's back. We have to make things more efficient for them. Um, you know, physician burnout is, was high before COVID. It's even higher now. And I think we've got to really address that. And I think you're going to address that in a number of ways. One, operationally by creating these efficiencies and shifting some of that work from the, the physicians. But two, I think helping them understand how they need to cope with it as well, too. Giving them resources. A lot of that's taken for granted with physicians. A lot of folks think, you know, physicians, they're the problem solver. They don't necessarily have the problems. Well, that's not true, right? We all have the, the problems. We all have to think about how we want to deal with different situations. So again, that passion, being able to help providers, um, you know, think about it differently and, and adjust to some of these challenges, I think is going to be big. Yeah, it is, Dan. And, and as I mentioned, the, the final rule here, the physician final rule, actually loosened up some of the uh, documentation requirements for high utilized ENM codes, evaluation and management office codes. So those codes 99202 to, to 15, um, physicians are going to have, are having, or will have an easier time documenting because the restrictions and guidelines have loosened up. They basically have to document based on time or medical decision-making which is a lot less burdensome than it was in the past. So that's some good news. And then secondly, I think you're absolutely right about physicians with the burnout. There needs to be programs. I think organizations have to put together programs around physician resiliency, asking 
themselves. What do physicians really need today, right? With COVID, with the burnout, with the ad added stressors, with leadership requirements, um, they are really taxed. So coming around these physicians um, and then involving them in the strategy of an organization is so important. We've seen many of these organizations uh, have dyad leadership structures, and we find that they work very, very well. Um, physicians and executives working together to align um, the, their objectives with the strategy of the organization really helps move the organization forward in value-based care into the future and financially be able to sustain itself. I think leadership development, both on the physician side and the executive side, is something that we're going to continue to see as a real need in this next year. And that's what's going to help all of us as an industry focus on how we could adapt to what the new norm in healthcare is going to look like and begin to really position ourselves for, for some future success. You know, and, and one shout out to you and, and to the Lumina team. You know, we've, we've been talking about leadership development for, for quite some time. Um, I'm really excited about the work that you're doing and addressing this directly with physicians because I, I agree, physician burnout, um, it, it's a real challenge. And if there's anything that is gonna compromise the long-term focus of healthcare, it's going to be physician burnout, having physicians really get, get tired of, of, of treating patients and, and leave the industry. And that is the last thing we need. We have to figure out how we adjust to all of the challenges we have within the industry and face it head on. Yes, and I think organizations definitely need to invest in their physicians. Um, and, and as you said, under Lumina Leadership Institute, we have a uh, several seasoned um, folks that can definitely support uh, leadership programs uh, for these physicians, including a physician. Yeah, I know, and he's great too. I'll tell you, he's. Uh, it, it's been fun to watch him providing a lot of uh, mentoring to different physicians, and if anything, just being an ear, right? Having him just you know talk and, and really just listen to some of these physicians. Well, Shelly, you know, I, I think there's a couple of really key things that we are all going to focus on in this next year. Obviously, improving the financial performance of hospitals, um, but doing it in such a way where we get ourselves back on track. We don't cut our, our services anymore. Um, we focus on cost management, but really cost management around efficiencies, less than around cutting services. We're also going to see a shift into value-based care. I'm convinced that that's going to be the case. And to me, you know, I've been in healthcare going on 30 years, and it's exciting to see that. It's exciting to see that we are now going to be really evaluated and reimbursed based on quality with more of a focus on the delivery of care, less of the focus on just the services that are, are being performed. And I think as we've talked about it, certain initiatives such as analytics and data are going to be key. Um, developing medical groups and making medical groups more efficient, integrating them more with the hospitals, post-acute providers across the whole longitudinal care model, I think is going to be extremely important. And then lastly, helping physicians and executives understand how they need to continue to develop, how they need to continue to grow, 
and not only face the challenges that the industry has today, but think about the new opportunities and the, the new capabilities that, that are out there to help them achieve some of their personal and professional goals. I think that's gonna be really important. Absolutely, Dan. And I'm also excited at the new offerings, the key areas of focus that Lumina is offering, keeping in line with where the needs are in the industry in 2021, including our Lumina Leadership Institute. So I'm very excited at what lies ahead and also excited at the lineup of guests we have lined uh, for our podcast in 2021, bringing to you more insights from industry thought leaders on the trends, on real life practical um, experience on tackling these challenges that we're all facing in our healthcare industry. So we wanna thank our listeners for tuning into Value-Based Kids. I'm gonna start there again. So we wanna thank our listeners for tuning into Value-Based Insights podcast by Lumina Health Partners. We at Lumina are your partners on the journey to value-based care and all the pivots and challenges our industry is going through. To learn more about us, visit us on luminahp.com. And if you found value in today's conversation, subscribe to us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple and Spotify, and leave us feedback. Join us again next time, where we continue our deep dive into what lies ahead and invite conversations with several of our colleagues and industry thought leaders on new trends that are emerging and how we continue to navigate and thrive in the new normal. Until then, have a great day and stay safe.